0: Hello, and welcome to another edition of EdChoice Chats. I'm Mike McShane, Director of National Research at EdChoice, and it is my distinct pleasure to host another edition of my series, Cool Schools. We have been profiling this entire work on hybrid education. We actually dig into their philosophy towards hybrid education. Again, if you've heard past podcasts or if you have read my book, Hybrid Homeschooling, A Guide to the Future of Education, available at your local online retailer. You'll learn that lots of different hybrid schools have different attitudes about what is done during the in-person learning days and what is done at the at-home learning days how much should we use technology how much should we not use technology how much should we rely on parents as educators how much should we not rely on parents as educators and pca hybrid i think has interesting answers to all of those questions particularly with the backdrop of the coronavirus pandemic but we talk about a whole bunch of stuff from where they get their teachers to the trends that they're seeing in education and end up by kind of looking towards the future of what is in store for this school. It's a really enjoyable conversation. I think you're going to get a lot out of it. So without further ado, here's my conversation with Bill Wendell, the principal of PCA hybrid. So Bill, we're talking about PCA hybrid today. And it seems to me that just that term there has two parts, the PCA, the Preston Wood Christian Academy, and then the hybrid part. And obviously, I think a lot of people's eyes might be drawn to the hybrid part. But maybe before we start, could you tell us just a little bit in general about the Preston Wood Christian Academy?
1: Yes, we're actually celebrating our 25th anniversary. and um, Congratulations. Thank you. And it's been a great school system over the last 25 years, and it's grown we're located in uh, Plano, Texas. We also have a North Campus, which is located in Prosper, Texas. And both locations, the primary campus is on our church campuses. So we are a church school, which uh, is very positive thing because we have the infrastructure of our church, support of our church that makes our jobs much easier. And uh, so it's Prestonwood Baptist Church that uh, is our founding church. So we've grown to almost 2,000 students now, and we have also an online program. And we're a K to 12 school. Our North Campus goes K to 11th grade, and they'll be adding a senior class next year. So a lot of growth taking place. And then we've uh, about three years ago, we decided to look for some type of a what we're calling a new model school. Our head of school at the time, Dr. Larry Taylor, felt like you know, is this current Christian school model, is it sustainable? And felt like there's, a sense a lot of Christian schools have uh, just struggled financially in other ways, he felt like there was something out there that we could begin to investigate. So he started investigating that and others several years ago. This was way before the pandemic. So this was not a pandemic reaction to start a hybrid school. We were already right in the middle of exploring this. Of course, that accelerated everything and made, it real serious and everybody got excited about it pretty quickly
0: and so how long have y'all been doing the online school
1: we've been doing it 12 years now this is our 12th year oh wow so it's something that's grown we have uh, last year we had over 100 students in the program and we had over 500 courses that uh, we sold if you will or facilitated and that program is unique in itself which could be in a whole other podcast i could tell you more about that but it's a great I'd program. love to hear more about it, sure. <laughs> so we've been pretty innovative with that as well, and I've been involved in that process this last year as well. So what we're doing with the online program is we have what we call shared students. So a lot of our students take our online courses, but they uh, also come on our campus, and they can take a certain number of uh, what we call brick-and-mortar classes in our school. So we have some students that are 100% online, some students that come in, and they just take brick-and-mortar classes part-time. And then some of them are, they're again, shared students. So they take some online courses and they come in and take some selected brick-and-mortar courses as well.
0: That's great. So now the PCA hybrid, if you could maybe talk about that a little bit. So obviously, as you mentioned, it's really interesting that, you know, that this started before the pandemic, when, you know, I think maybe some people knew about hybrid education or hybrid schools and then suddenly the pandemic hits and everybody knows what <laughs> knows what they are, at least the term or at least the kind of idea behind it. But if you could talk maybe through the kind of specifics of how the school week works, what sort of the offerings are in person and what's done at home and sort of the structure of it.
1: Well, we studied a lot of different models that were already in existence that were similar. And so we took the best of, of those that were out there and to, to make it fit best for our school. So what we landed on, we have a, we call it three day, two day. So three day a week at school and two day what we call satellite learning days. Uh, We don't wanna call them home school days because they can go to the library. They can do those at grandma's house. They can do it, you know, in the car. So satellite learning days are two days, face-to-face at school days are three days a week. And so we do that uh, on Monday, Tuesday, Thursday. the reason why we picked that was we felt like that would maximize the time because our Wednesday five-day program, it's early dismissal. That's when we do our teacher development on Wednesday and it ends ends early. So we wanted to let that go by the wayside because we didn't want to uh, shorten our day. And then the reason why we did Friday was because that gives families that want the flexibility to have a longer weekend. They can do their satellite learning day on that Friday. We started with kindergarten first and second and fifth and sixth. So our middle school starts at fifth grade in our five-day program. So we felt like we'd start at the base of both lower and middle school. And our goal was to have eight students per grade. And so that's 40 total and we have 51. So we're really excited about our numbers and our families that are part of our program.
0: And so now when you talk about the satellite days, I'd be interested because I think different hybrid schools around the country have different attitudes towards those satellite days or home days, or as you're right, everyone calls them something different. And some lean more on online instruction, as you mentioned, very self-directed students can be in charge of it, and others lean more towards a kind of homeschooling model where it's more like the parents or the teachers, oftentimes it's not on computers at all, but it's more sort of traditional paper and pencil schoolwork. So, Where do you all come down on that? Is it a mix of the two? Is it lean more towards one or the other?
1: Yeah, we've been very intentional about that. Our design is such that we felt like our families that would be interested in this would want to not have to homeschool their kids those two days. So our activities that our students work on uh, at home are something they can do pretty independently. And those activities are designed by their classroom teacher. So our classroom teacher designs their units with that in mind so the unit development is such that they design it with hey i know i'm gonna have my students at school these days i know these are going to be satellite learning days so that's part of the the design and the parent has to oversee that but it doesn't have to be the pseudo teacher at home they're there just making sure their students are on task age appropriate course and developmental appropriateness and you know i have three children Two of my children also happened to be much more independent, my son, would have had to have mom, you know, giving a little bit more encouragement to stay on task.
0: So I'm so glad you brought up your teachers because I'd be fascinated. So the, the teachers for this program, did you bring them from the traditional five-day-a-week side? Were these new teachers brought in specifically for this program? Do you have teachers who teach in both? Sort of the broad question, where do your teachers come from?
1: Yeah, there again when we designed this we felt like we needed to hire our own teachers so that's how we went into it we're hiring our own teachers they are contracted and trained for this model so they know going into it here's what the expectations are because it's different even though you don't have to be here two days a week you really are designing those other two days now those two days they're off those days there's no synchronous learning taking place so that's the plus and so the same qualifications that we have for our current school, our five-day model, same qualifications. So we need to have certified teachers that are degreed and or certified in their areas. Also, they have to have a biblical worldview that aligns with our values. So same, same qualifications. And so it was very difficult kind of getting that started. But I felt like once the word got out about our school, then I started getting some more interest. So I'm hoping that more and more will come in the future as we add grades. And I think that's one of the challenges is finding a teacher that is qualified, that's willing to understand and learn this new model and be willing to do it for the funding that's available for them.
0: Well, and that's the thing is it seems to me the traditional pathways that we have into teaching to get those credentials, to get those degrees are not necessarily aligned to the type of model that you have here, you know, to get your traditional certification or if you're getting your, you know, bachelor's in teaching that's geared towards a five day a week model. So are you finding teachers who had previously taught in a hybrid model somewhere else? Are these people who are making the transition? Where do you find these folks?
1: Yeah, some of them are teachers that maybe had taught early in their career, then they started having their family, maybe been out of that career for 10 years, and they don't wanna go back in five day a week. They kinda of like this you know, a little bit more time white space for themselves and their family. But they do want to continue their career and they love teaching. And so they get back into it part way. So that's one type of teacher. Another type of teacher is on the kind of flip of that. They started their career, now they're starting to have babies. They want to continue their career, but they don't want to leave their child in a daycare five days a week. So it can actually work very well together where they're at home with their child giving that care 100% and the three days that they're at school, They have another caregiver. So we have some uh, families that are doing that. And then, of course, as everyone knows with the pandemic, is people are staying home more. So we have families that they're staying home no matter what, and they have this opportunity to extend their career or reboot their career. But they do it in a way that fits more what the trend is just from the world standpoint.
0: No, and I think you're really, you are riding the crest of a wave here because I think of so many folks that are in that mindset of saying, listen, you know, we were doing traditional kind of a five day a week work, whether it was in teaching or frankly in other fields, and have said, look, can we find some way to have a bit more flexibility here? And they're willing to make, especially when they have, as you brought up, having kids and others and rethinking that kind of work life balance. And so this opportunity to say, well, teach three days a week and be at home two days or others. I mean, I just, I think there's an incredible incredible growth opportunity there. I'd be interested in your students. The students that come to this, are they more students that are coming out of traditional five-day-a-week classes, or are they students that are coming from traditional homeschooling? Where are they coming from?
1: Primarily, there are families that were in a five-day program and they got a taste. <laughs> they got a taste, not because they wanted to do it, but someone stuck this thing in their mouth called virtual learning at home and they like hmm i kind of like this i kind of like it because i can spend more time with my children they can be educated but they don't want to send them back to a five-day program and they're in a position in their life where they can do that and one of the things that i've heard that's really been encouraging to me is when i say younger families anybody's younger than me that has a family so uh 30 and 40 year olds those are young to me god bless you thank you yes So these 30- and 40-year-olds, which I love, they are going, you know, I want more time with my kids. I want to disciple my kids. I don't want to send them to even a Christian school and and advocate that responsibility to them. I want to do more of that myself. So it's all of a sudden hit me between the eyes is that a lot of our 30- and 40-year-old families are really doing a better job than I did with my kids because they're a little more serious about discipling their children, willing to, I won't say make it a sacrifice, but make this change. And of course, everything that's going on with people staying at home and working, it just kind of convergent of a lot of different things, and it, it seems to be working. Let me give you a really kind of cool example. I have several cool examples, I'll just give you one. I can give you a lot of examples, that'd be another conversation, but I have a, a family who has three boys, they have a set of twins, twin boys, So those boys are going to our five-day. They have a sixth grader who is going to hybrid. The mother, I tried to hire her to work in our hybrid program and it didn't work out, so our five-day hired her. Then I needed, she's a music teacher, then I needed one music class and I twisted her arm, didn't have to twist around too much, so she's teaching a hybrid music class. So she has two of her kids in five-day, one child in hybrid. She teaches in the mornings for our five-day and teaches one hybrid class once a week in hybrid. She has parents here. Her parents, one day a week, facilitate, make sure her one that is staying home is staying on task. And then her husband works at home on Friday. So you have this convergent and this great creative way to make it all work. And I see families that are doing that. They're making it work because they really want it.
0: That's awesome. And so now I have to imagine in the kind of marketplaces in which you are operating, you're in a crowded field. I mean, in the, the Plano area and the sort of Dallas Metro, but you know, everywhere, there, there's lots of great schools, there's lots of options that are there. So how do you think about sort of positioning yourselves in the marketplace? how do you situate yourself sort of vis-a-vis all the other schools that are there because it's not a um i don't envy you having to operate a school in such a crowded marketplace
1: yeah i think you're right it's crowded but it's hungry that sounds good to me i'm not sure what that means but people are hungry for christian education primarily because of what's going on in our world and in our, in our culture so they really want that then also they're looking at new trends they're looking at new ways to do school And so we provide that. They also like flexibility. That was one of the key things is flexibility. People, human nature, we want that flexibility. So the way we, I don't say compete, but the way we kind of position this and design this is flexibility without losing any of the quality. So the quality is there. The programs are there. The core values are there. Everything that Preston Wood offers is still there. It's just now we provide some flexibility that's kind of in a nutshell, my elevator speech about what's unique about our hybrid school and what helps us rise to the top. And on top of that is we have this huge infrastructure that's in place. So we have this huge fine arts program, athletic program. We have a nurse in every building. We have people that are very highly qualified with curriculum development. So we have all this and we're piggybacking on a lot of that as well.
0: So, the question I think a lot of people at this point in the conversation will be interested in tuition. What is tuition for the school? Is it different than the five day a week model? How does that work?
1: Yeah, our business model is this, is that you can imagine all the cost of running a school. A lot of that is underwritten because we just, like right now I'm in a classroom that is one of our classrooms, and it's an empty classroom because we built a new middle school And so a whole floor, a whole wing, if you will, of our school was vacated. So some of our cost is just really low because of the current infrastructure. So that helps. Secondly, the the model is such that our parents are paying 60% of a full tuition. They're here three days a week, and us, we're paying our teachers 60% of a a full-time salary. So those are the two or three big factors that have worked well for us.
0: Well, that's great, and I think that probably makes this education more available to more families that may not be able to afford the full time, five day a week, and they're able to defray that cost. You know, it seems to me. I mean, you all were on the online learning trend before it was popular. You are on the wave of hybrid education before it was necessarily as popular, at least as well known as it is now. So I'd be kind of interested just in the the attitude, the environment of the school. You are somewhat unique in this regard, right? There, there are lots of schools that could conceivably open an online presence. They could open a hybrid presence, and they don't. So what makes you all different? What is sort of in the water there that encourages you to do all these different innovative things?
1: Well, that's a great question. I think there has to be that passion, that burning <laughs> know the why why are you doing this and you have to really have that passion because there's a lot of obstacles it's a lot of extra work and and really it kind of boils down to this for me personally is it really expands our ability to offer kingdom education to families if we didn't have this hybrid model then there are a lot of folks would be in a a different school situation that really wouldn't come alongside the values of their family so you got to have that burning desire that this is important Secondly, you have to have the entrepreneurial spirit. You've got to be willing to be innovative. There's not a book written on this. If there was, it wouldn't fit all the models and it wouldn't fit everybody. So you got to have an entrepreneurial spirit. And educators, let's be honest, they're typically not the most entrepreneurial people. So you got to be entrepreneurial. And then I read a book that gave, I think it was 10 different things that you needed to have in your plan in order for any innovative approach to happen. And, and one of them I think is the most important is you had to have a somebody that was driving it. Someone at the executive level that was very passionate about what you were trying to do. So it can't be just driven by someone in middle level leadership. It needs to be someone
0: at the top or near the top that can really drive this. It's to fuel if you will to make it work. I'm interested in sort of how you got involved in this. What was your background? What did you bring to the school?
1: Yeah, I've been in uh, Christian education since 1984. It's probably before you were born. And uh, so I've been doing this a long Actually,
0: time. the year I was born.
1: You got involved the exact year I was born. Well, you, you can remember that. So uh, <laughs> so trends have changed so much. And, and I've seen over the years that we're missing something. We're, we're missing something in Christian education. And I feel like what we're missing is not the heart, not the ideals, that hasn't changed. What's drifted is, I think, just the, the buy-in by everybody. There has to be a buy-in. Christian education become more popular. Well, back when I started, it wasn't as popular. So you had to make a social sacrifice, a financial sacrifice. You would do it because you're just really a passion for an understanding of. Now it's become more popular and accepted. And so I think we've lost a little bit of that commitment. And so I believe that commitment now is is coming back again, like I talked about earlier. And so I've seen over the years that passion start to come back in to certain segments of of the Christian school population. So I was asked about two years ago to run with this. My background has been everywhere from teacher coach to a middle school principal to head of school And recently, I've been here, I've been here for 15 years now, and the last 13 uh, prior to this position was middle school principal.
0: So I'd be interested, sort of a question I'd like to end on, is as you look to the future, this is obviously a new endeavor that you're involved in, but this is part of a long lifetime that you've had in Christian education. If you were to think of PCA hybrid one year from now, five years from now, 10 years from now, what do you see the future having in store?
1: Well, the next, take two to three years, it's kind of a, this baby, so we're nurturing it. <laughs> we're feeding it. We're making sure it's healthy. We're inoculating it for COVID. whatever you know, We're doing all these things to help it grow and be healthy. So that's really important. Now, it's, it's easy to get ahead too far. I, I kind of think five, 10 years out, but we really need to focus on making it healthy. So beyond that, I, I see it developing into not only its own identity within our school, but also dovetail into what we're doing. So it has to merge, if you will. You got two different communities, but they really need to work together. And it's a symbiotic relationship. I would love for our hybrid school to be able to offer classes for our five-day students. So an opportunity for students from hybrid to take classes that are brick and mortar and, and vice versa. We may have a situation that that something we're offering would be a, a kind of a neat, cool thing. So five to 10 years from now, it's I see education as being kind of an a la carte thing, where you come to the school system and you say, for example, hey, here's my situation. We say, okay, so here's your options. You can go straight hybrid, and this is what that looks like on the menu. Or if you wanna choose from our menu, You can take hybrid classes, maybe your core classes, math, science, and English, and then you can take this online history class. And oh, by the way, we have a apologetics class that is in our five-day program, and you can take that as well. So I really feel like that's the way education is going, and I feel like a hybrid school can help be that framework to make that work.
0: Bill Wendell of PCA Hybrid, thanks so much for coming on the podcast today to talk about your cool school.
1: Thank you. I appreciate it.
0: So apologies if I don't know whether the recording picked that up. There was a little bit of fuzziness there uh, at the end. It's one of those things where you're recording and you're just white knuckling it, hoping that your internet connection stays through to get the interesting things that a person has to say and not make them repeat themselves over and over again. But I really enjoyed that conversation. I think, as I said, sort of setting this up, I really took a lot of their thinking around how they do their satellite days. As you've heard in other podcasts that we've done here, you know, some schools say, you know, when when kids are at home during a sort of hybrid model, we really want parents playing an active role. We don't want kids staring into computers. We want it to be a more traditional paper and pencil environment. PCA takes that in a different direction. And I think there are lots of really interesting opportunities there. I don't think there's a right or wrong answer as to To structure those things, but I do think there are things that we can learn about how schools answer those different questions. So, trying to get the best of both worlds, leveraging that technology, and especially, I think, trying to take it easy on parents so that parents don't necessarily have to play as active of a role as instructors. Being able to leverage technology, having students develop more as independent learners, I think, as he said, makes it possible for students to not necessarily have to be at home. They could be at the library, they could be at grandma's house, they could be doing lots of different things while they're learning so i think like i said there aren't right or wrong answers in how to structure hybrid education they're just cool interesting innovative people trying to answer them and i think we can learn from all of the different ways in which people are trying to wrestle with those issues as always please like and subscribe to this podcast if you are or i guess you don't like it i'm already an old fogey i gave away in this if i haven't said before that i was born in 1984 which makes me feel old but Bill said I was young, so that's my story and I'm sticking to it. But then I say something like this, like, like a podcast, which I'm pretty sure you can't do please subscribe. That's what I was looking for. Subscribe to our podcast, rate them. If you would be so kind, you know, getting more ratings and things, help people to discover the podcast and when they're looking for new, interesting education content. And, And when you subscribe to this podcast and for those of you who listen to this, know, this whole kind of ed choice chats that we do, we have lots of sub So this, what I'm doing here, Cool Schools is one of them. My colleague, Jason Bedrick, has really interesting, he calls them his Big Idea podcast, where he just talks to interesting education thinkers. My colleague, Drew Catt, does cool interviews with education researchers. I'm part of a team of people with our polling work. My colleagues, Jen Wagner and John Kristoff, and we talk about our monthly poll, nationally represented poll, that we put in the field. Our state team, you know, my friends, Jason and Lauren and Ed and Jordan, they will give you a monthly breakdown of what's going on in the States. My colleague, Leslie, will talk about what's happening legal. Basically we have wonderful people doing interesting stuff. And if you subscribe to this podcast, you can hear from all of them. And you can also please check out our website, www.edchoice.org. You can sign up for our email list, which will send straight to your inbox. Tons of interesting stuff. I always want to remind myself and I forget this often and I feel terrible when I do a big thank you to Jacob Vinson, who edits this podcast and if there were any technical difficulties, you'll probably hear far fewer of them because he knows how to sort of smooth all of those things out. He's an incredibly talented guy. And we are so lucky to have him on our team. Thank you, Jacob, for everything that you do. And for everyone who's listening, I look forward to joining you all again to profile another cool school or on one of the other ways that I'm involved in EdChoice chats. Take care and talk to you soon.